this was the scariest dive of my life. It was a, a very advanced dive with sharks in Ooh. open water. Like real sharks, not like the little tiny like reef sharks. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today out there? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 49 of the Chris and Christine Show. Well, all right, and that is good old fantastic. (laughs) How are you doing out there today? And thank you for listening to our show today. I really appreciate that. We actually both really appreciate that. Yes, we do. Thank you so much for joining us. We are excited for today's show. It's going to be another fantastic one. But before we hop into that... What's new with you, Chris? Well, I've been teaching myself a new skill. You know, this thing called Google? They got a cool, a bunch of cool stuff you can do with it, you know? Yeah, like in the Google suite. You've been totally nerding out on that this week. I had no idea. This thing called Google Docs, you can like print stuff up and write stuff up and print it up. You can share files. It's crazy. And you can look stuff up. Who knew? Right. But you've been using something new in the Google suite this week called Google Forms, right? Is that what it's called? Google Forms? I thought it was called Google Surveys or something. No, Google Forms. Well, regardless of what it's called, (laughs) I have created, well, actually, we have created. You, you can take the credit. I just edited. Okay, so here's what we did. You know, we have our podcast and we're coming up to a full year almost. Um, It's a couple more episodes. It'll be a complete year of our podcast. And one thing we have never figured out is that is who you are and what do you like? Right. Because um, we want to make this podcast for you. We don't work for a company. We don't get paid to do this. So we are doing this on our own free time with our own free money. And we would like to know your feedback. So what I created was a quick little survey. And if you can fill out the survey, and all you have to do is fill it out, you will be entered in a drawing Ooh. to win <gasps> a Amazon gift card. Woo-hoo. On us. Yeah. Totally free. Free money. All you got to do is fill out the survey. This survey will be listed on the show notes of this podcast, and we'll probably run it for another couple weeks so that we kind of get a good balance. What do you call it? A good... um, Sample size. Sample size. I know. I've been totally getting to nerd out with Chris and talking about data and statistics and sample size and surveys and quality items, which is what I actually studied in my doctoral program last semester. But now, like... He's been asking for feedback. And so, you know, Chris, I've been super proud of you, not just, oh, I'll get emotional. Not just about. You want want a napkin or something? (laughs) Tears up? Not just about this survey, but with like watching you immerse yourself in this and all of the new skills that you've been developing. I mean, your full audio engineering studio services to where you're able to like help edit other people's podcasts now, social media marketing, promoting connecting and then like going this next level to collecting quality data, analyzing it for trends and then like adjusting our podcast to meet the needs of our audience. It's been so exciting for oh, me. Oh, well, thank you I'm so proud much. of you. Oh, well, th- I'm proud of me too. Just Good. Because a year ago, I didn't even know which end of a microphone to use. You <laughs> I know, know right? So, so the point being is that this survey is available on our website too. If you go to our website, chrisandchristineshow.com, 
at the very bottom of the website, you'll see a, cl- a little box click link thing. It'll say podcast survey. You click on that and that will bring up the survey. But don't you worry. In the show notes on this episode you're looking at right now, it will be there on your phone. So and, Yep. And the great thing about Google Forms and the way that Chris created it is it's mobile friendly. So it takes two or three minutes on the go. But the data that you leave us with will last for a lifetime. It is priceless because this way we know exactly what you want to listen to, what you like about our show, what you who you are, so that we can structure the show for you. Yep. And we'll be talking more about the data that we've gathered in a future episode. And Pro- in- probably the uh, one, one year. Yeah, mm-hmm. right around the one year episode is we're probably going to announce the data results and see what's going on with the data. So far, you know, we've only posted it on our social media. So this is the first time we're plugging it on the podcast. So probably this episode and maybe the next episode, we'll probably plug it again. Just to remind you guys who have not voted yet right. to go in and vote for that. And make sure that in the responses, you tell us what your favorite episode was because we have something fun in the works for our one year episode that may just include some of that information. Right, Chris? Oh, yeah. Wait, what is it again? (laughs) Not going to tell it yet. Oh, man, you keep me in the loop here. Yeah, but it's been a busy week for me, too, this week. Oh, yeah. What's been going on? Well, um, first thing is we finally are going to get to start construction on rebuilding the hall bathroom. Yes. It starts on Tuesday. This Tuesday coming up. Right. So um, We're so excited. De- we, demo day? Is that what it's called? Demo day is Tuesday, and it is going to be pretty much demoing everything except for a couple of the walls. But, you know, we were able to – we're going to be repairing a lot of the stuff from the water loss, but we decided to go ahead and make up the difference on, like – putting in a new tub and new shower head and stuff so that it's a completely updated bathroom instead of kind of piecing it together. Right, Chris? Right. And I was planning on redoing that bathroom anyways. This entire house, when I bought it, for the most part, it was redone. It was remodeled, but they left a few things out. They left out the downstairs bathroom. Right. And they definitely left out the (laughs) upstairs bathroom. (laughs) The upstairs bathroom, um, it's been, it's original. It's well used. It's well, yes. (laughs) It's well used. It's, uh, it was uh, put away wet. (laughs) outside and written hard (laughs) so the bathroom it definitely was one thing that i know needed to be replaced for this house it's kind of weird because all the other houses all the other rooms in the house are all done except for that one bathroom right and that's it's kind of hard for me because typically during the work week when chris is working nights i still have to get up and get ready for work and so i go into this bathroom and i get myself ready but you know there's things that don't quite function correctly or just it's not like I don't know I don't want to sound conceited but it's not the prettiest and most comfortable place to get ready and then the vanity it's like built to 1980s standard which means that it's at like 20 inches 21 inches tall versus the now stand or sorry it's 31 inches tall versus 34 inches calm down now contractor christine i know but it's like when you're going to do your makeup and you're having to like lean down that oh, low yeah. what do you do i makeup I, I know exactly what you mean. all right booger but it's just a little bit inconvenient so I'm thankful that Chris loves my design vision for the bathroom. And once it's completed, we'll definitely be including photos of the before, during, and after. Wait, did we do any before pictures before they ripped that bottom part out? Yes. Yes, I have them. Okay, good. Okay, good. I have before pictures um, of what it looked like beforehand. And, you know, I did the downstairs bathroom renovation just a couple of months ago. I mean, it was kind of like a... I don't want to call it a patch job. It was a temporary fix. Yeah, I mean, it's decent. I mean, it's not like you ripped everything out and replaced it. No, I just like installed 
covered over. Right. Stuff. Kind of covered some stuff up. But, you know, that'll be in the future after wedding down the line, uh, rehabbing that downstairs bathroom too. Probably uh, before that, we probably got to do the air conditioning unit. Yeah. Um, so many things. I know. The joys of homeownership. Yeah. When you're a homeowner, it's what happens. Yeah. You know, you can't just call the manager and say, hey, apartment manager, fix my faucet. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But one of the things I'm so excited about, Chris, in that bathroom is like it's going to be light and airy and I think it's going to be kind of like a spa vibe to it, which is going to be nice and relaxing. And I think especially during this time with COVID and being at home, having a place to be able to like unwind and even like practice self-care in there would just be really nice to have. Yeah. And I also, we discussed something this morning about another add-on to the bathroom that we're going to hang above the um, the bathtub area. I know it's going to be Chris's idea, but I get to execute it is um, a little chandelier. Right. Like crystal and sparkly. Yes. And it's just going to be so beautiful Bling, in there. bling in the bathroom. When you're taking a shower, <laughs> bling, bling, bling. Because in the shower, it's got a really tall ceiling right. in that bathroom. It's like really vaulted high ceiling above the bathroom. But it's got this like weird... Um, cylinder. It's like a dome light. A dome light. Old mm-hmm. dome. Like old light. Talking 1980s yeah. here. Dome light. It's like r- a bubble. A bubble. Yeah. Right above the um, the shower. But it's right. way higher than the ceiling. I said, you know, that, that's got a high ceiling to that thing. Mm-hmm. You probably can hang like a small chandelier, mm-hmm. maybe even like two or three feet down and like hang something. Nothing crazy, but something simple. Right. Because it's got the space for it. Right. You know, in, in a bathroom. <laughs> right. Know? And, you know, it's so funny because we started with fixing some of the house stuff just a couple of months ago with um, redoing some of the kitchen ceiling that was there. Like there was a previous leak that we'd taken care of. And we had this great contractor come in and fix it. And the quality of work was fantastic. And then we were like, well, in the midst of COVID, we had a little bit of money to spare. And we knew that this small business owner worked really hard. And we were like, well, why don't we paint the outside patio? And so we contracted with them for that. Well, when all of this home renovation happened, or this um, the flooding happened. Yeah, the water leak. Right. I was looking for a contractor and I was going through the Home Depot Pro Referrals, which is where we found this contractor to begin with. And I was like, maybe I should just reach out to him and see if he's still, like if, if he does this kind of stuff, bathroom renovations. And he responded back, yeah, absolutely. And um, has given us a super competitive price. So shout out to Ulysses Mata of Prime American Coatings for not just the high quality work he does, but for being super competitive in this market. Yeah, that was fantastic. You know, so he's going to start construction, I believe, next week. So right. we have to we actually I sent a text out to my neighbor <laughs> warning her like we're doing major construction next week. Heads up. We're going to need to borrow, move cars around and all this. And stuff. can we borrow a parking space? Yeah, I got to take the poor Z out of the garage and um, move it to the somewhere. You know? Yeah, you'll just leave it in the driveway. I'll move the Explorer. But but I'm super excited, Chris, about – I know our bathroom is great, but midweek to be able to have um, an entire bathroom that's a place where I can relax and in like unwind is really good and really important. I think that wellness is really important. And today's guest is actually going to share a little bit more with us about wellness, adventure, and just living your best life. Right, Chris? That is great. And we will have her on the show right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. 
This is the Nostal Junk Podcast, where one person's junk is another person's childhood. I'm Matt McGraw. And I'm Kyle Smith. Join us each week as we take a deep dive into your pop culture consciousness and discuss everything from movies, TV, music, cartoons, toys, video games, and more. And we want to hear from you, so connect with us. Nostalgia means so many different things to so many different people, so share with us your favorite piece of nostalgia. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at NostalJunkPod. And you can subscribe to us on all the major podcast platforms. Let's get this thing up to 88 miles per hour, and we'll see you next week. And welcome back, everybody. Today we have a very special guest with us. She has definitely defied the odds to find her purpose in life. She is a SoCal native, just like Chris and I, and we are so happy to have Alia Biondi on the show today. Welcome to the Chris and Christine show. What a nice introduction. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, thank you for being here today. Yeah, we're so excited. So, uh, Alia, what part of the um, country or the world are you coming to us from today? I live currently in Cardiff-by-the-Sea, California, right near Encinitas, a funky little beach town. Oh, I love Cardiff. It is like walking into another world. It's just such a quaint little town. How long have you lived there? It is. It's so dreamy. I've lived here over five years. I was originally born and raised in Michigan, so it's quite a different uh, experience for <laughs> oh, me yeah. living by the beach. Oh, yeah. It. Oh, yeah. The Michigan had a beach, too. Don't they have that big Great Lake or whatever? It's not the same, but yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, you actually can walk. I heard you can walk on the lake in Michigan during the winter. Is that true? Certainly, yes. It freezes and there's ice fishing and things like that. I also spent three brutal winters in beautiful Minnesota. Well, it's beautiful part of the year and the rest of the year it's pretty much frozen over and you can walk on the lakes there too in the winter. Well, you went from the frozen tundra to paradise. So how is life living in, like I call it, San Diego? I know you're in a suburb of it, but how is life for you here? It's wonderful. I have such an appreciation for where I live, especially with the contrast of having lived other places that have other seasons. And we're in a bubble here. There is access to so much healthy options for food and and exercise and activities. So I feel very fortunate. And I also don't take it for granted having experienced living other places. Well, to backtrack a little bit uh, about uh, uh, Encinitas area, that is very close to the San Diego area. It's all in the San Diego County. So we're all in the same umbrella of San Diego. You know. When I found that out, I got really excited. We're practically neighbors. Yes, we are down the street. Yeah, we totally are. And you have some great areas near uh, that area of the coast where you live that I like to frequent. So definitely, who knows? We might have even seen each other in passing, but now we get to formally meet here on the Chris and Christine show. Awesome. Yes. Well, so Alia, what brought you to Cardiff area five years ago? Well, that's a loaded question. So I originally moved to a little tiny suburb called Olivenhain. It's part of Encinitas. Uh, It was the summer before third grade with my entire family, my mom, dad, brother. 
and we drove out from Michigan. So I was really fortunate to have both experiences for my upbringing as a kid into my teenage years. And it was when I was 21 that I moved by myself to Minnesota. And then a few years later came back to Encinitas. But the reason I said it's a loaded question living in Cardiff is because I actually moved to Cardiff after two months of traveling. I was in Hawaii and then Israel and then Bali. And something happened while I was traveling. I was in a relationship and then that relationship ended quite abruptly in Bali. And so I wound up coming home by myself unexpectedly and found a studio, a 300 square foot studio in Cardiff. And I moved myself in there and started my life over. And a couple years later is when I met my husband. And now we we still live in Cardiff, although we've expanded uh, our apartments probably 900 square feet. So. Ooh, man, look at all the square footage. My yeah, good at mansion size. That's a, that is a mansion in Cardiff, definitely. Oh, is it? Okay. I know in Manhattan it probably is. Yeah. We're leveling up. <laughs> so, okay, backing up to your story, you, you kind of went over that pretty quickly. So you were in Bali and you were there. You started into Bali as a couple and then you ended Bali as a single. Can you tell us about what happened Yeah, with that? two goes out, one comes back. That's what it's like, uh, like Thunderdome. Yeah. You really want to know about this? <laughs> oh, just a little bit. High level. Okay. Yeah, so um, I have been to Bali multiple times. It's one of my favorite places in the world. I'm a scuba diver and a surfer. And so I I went there to travel with two friends of mine. Well, one is the person I was in the relationship with. Long story short, after a couple of weeks traveling together, uh, he met someone else and (gasps) decided to pursue that. Um, And so I'm a firm believer that you leave a door open. Um, People come into your life. That's great. People leave your life. That's okay, too. Just don't stand in the doorway and block traffic, if you know what I mean. Wait, wait. He he left you. He found somebody else while you guys were on vacation together? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Was this an online relationship or was this someone physically there with you? Yeah, physically there. I was actually affording to pay for um, a bit of his experience. He sold his car and and decided last minute to join on the trip. And to to be perfectly honest, it sounds terrible. And of course, it was really hard at the time and, and shocking. But now I look back and I think, goodness, it was the a blessing in disguise. I dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah, Seriously yeah. grateful that he took himself out of my life. Definitely. I've heard this phrase that sometimes your setback is really your setup. And it sounds like when you came back from Bali, you made this decision to go out on your own, single gal, make your way in the world, and something magical happened and you met the love of your life. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, in a nutshell, totally. I spent a couple of years self-partnered. Do you guys know what that means? No. No. What does that mean? So I decided to no longer date men. Uh, I'm a straight person, so that's why I say that. Oh, okay, yes, clarification. Got it. And um, I um, dated myself for that time. It was about two years, and I had a lot of self-doubt and 
um, fear and things that were holding me back in life because I would give everything in my relationships and even sacrifice myself in many ways. And so I self-partnered and learned so much about who Alia is and, and what I want and also what I have to give in a relationship, but also what I am open to receiving. So a couple years later is when my now husband walked into my life, and he certainly is the perfect um, complement to this very independent and active dynamic lifestyle that I lead. I love that so much. And I've never heard that term before self-partnered, but I have heard of like dating yourself. That's actually a little bit of, yeah. it's a little bit of Chris's in my story where, um, yes. where I took a break for five and a half months from any type of dating and, and similar to you had the journey of like searching for who I really am and getting to know who I am as an individual separately from a relationship. That's good because a lot of people don't do that. You know? Right. And so it does definitely change things when you step into a relationship after that, when you're a lot more confident in your own identity versus getting it intermixed with somebody else's. Absolutely. I agree. And I wrote in my vows to my husband that I promise to remember that we don't complete one another. We complement each other. Wow, and that's great. We're both very independent, but we certainly do have a great time when we are together. I love that so much. And so uh, you you guys reside in Cardiff. And do you have any big travel plans post-quarantine for the two of you? Yes. So it's not booked yet. We've been married just over two years and together for five. And we haven't had our honeymoon yet. We've been <gasps> saving up and planning. Okay, so okay. We're scuba divers. We also like to go fishing and hiking. We're very active outdoorsy people. So we want to go to Micronesia and <gasps> scuba dive That's as soon as we possibly can, probably early next year. How long have you guys been uh, certified scuba divers? My husband got certified in 2016. He's logged, I would say, close to two, three dozen dives. He's still considered a newer diver. Right. I myself was certified uh, when I was 15, and I've logged over 500 dives. Wow. So you're like a real pro. Have you had any scares like <laughs> yes. you know, I'm you know what I'm talking about like like the air machine goes out I don't know how it works but or the bubbles mm. or, or how the how does that stuff work so I've never had any malfunction although I've been diving with people who have had malfunction in fact uh, a dive that my husband Josh and I did in Hawaii his air supply wasn't fully attached to his tank <gasps> And he was fine, but I was very cognizant of his air consumption. And I realized that he was consuming a lot of air very quickly. So I just kept an eye. And it also impacted his buoyancy. So I was close by enough that if he needed help, I could give him my octopus. But we finished the dive, and it turns out it was an O-ring malfunction uh, but again, he was fine. However, I did a live aboard in Indonesia with my sweet mom, who's in her 60s. <laughs> and this was the scariest dive of my life. It was a, a very advanced dive with sharks in Ooh. open water. Like real sharks, not like the little tiny like reef sharks? 
they were reef sharks, but they were six to eight feet. They were black tip, white tip, oh, and gray reef sharks. They have, they have teeth like the rest of them. They all, they'll bite. <laughs> and more dangerous than the sharks, in fact, was the current. The oh. current was so strong. And so we had to do something called a negative descent where you don't come up and check your buoyancy. When you back roll, you go straight down. And so my mom, of course, is my buddy, and we back roll and we drop down, and I'm looking for her, and all of a sudden, I don't see my mom anymore, and it was really important to just get down to the bottom and then pretty much hold on for dear life. They told us before the dive that someone recently had been swept away, never to be seen again. (laughs) And so um, we get to the bottom and I'm looking for my mom and I can't find her. Here I am with my GoPro and I did get some video of the sharks. But all I can think about is where is my mom? Oh, I bet. Yeah. 40 minutes later. 40 minutes crying in my mask. I'm having diaphragm contractions. And a little voice comes into my head that says, Alia, if you don't calm down, you're the one who's shark food. So breathe slower, relax. There's nothing you can do right now about your mom. Long story short, there were three dive masters on that particular dive with us. And one of them saw my mom struggling and took her around to the leeward side of where we were diving with less current. Oh, wow. So she was fine. And when we surfaced, I was just so happy to see my mama. And I'm crying. And it's, you know, out of every, my eyes, my nose, my mouth, just (laughs) everything is dripping. And my mom hugs me. She goes, oh, Alia, I never knew I meant that much to you. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's so sweet, but very scary at the same time. I, I hate when somebody is MIA, no matter where they're at, even if they're at the store. Yeah. And Christine's like, where's Christina? She can't get a hold of her. Oh, I, I yeah. feel the same exact way. <laughs> and and I, I would go ahead. a step further. Like, I am petrified of open water. I've been really mm. trying to go up against that. So, Chris and I in October went snorkeling out in open water in Hawaii, and I've been snorkeling one other time, but I am claustrophobic and I have a fear of open water. And so, I see the scuba divers, and I'm like, Oh, heck no. Like even when we were snorkeling in Hawaii, we were up at the top and then you could see the scuba divers down, uh, you know, only like 15, 20 feet. And I started to get a panic attack just watching them because I'm like, what if like, what if they're their hose comes undone. I don't even know the terms or what if sure. like, what if they get stuck? What if they can't get up? And then you have all of these movies of worst case scenarios. So you are a superhero in my mind. <laughs> oh, well, bless your heart. Thanks for saying that. You know, I grew up very afraid of a lot of things. I had a lot of fear as a young person. And then a lot of the things that I was afraid of wound up happening to me. And I thought, you know what, being afraid just makes your life worse. And then when it happens, it's like you go through this challenging thing, like being left in a third world country, and you get through it. You just put one foot in front of the other and move forward. So having fear is something that has never gone away for me. But I live by the adage, feel the fear and do it anyway. Oh, I love that so much. But going back, you said that those things you were afraid of, many of them happened. Was there anything like very significant and traumatic that occurred in your life that was a real turning point for you? 
turning point was definitely the situation in Indonesia where I felt like I gave so much of myself and got that in return. And it really was a pivotal time for me. I teach yoga and my students even will reflect about how after I came back from that trip, I was so inspired and reconnected to the essence of what's important in life. And of course, I was hurt, devastated at the time. But I really wanted to come home to myself like I never had before. I will say that I have had other traumatic experiences in my life. And so going through some difficult things has definitely made me stronger, but also have contributed to a lot of physiological challenges. I have um, some health issues that I deal with to this day. And I focus a lot about letting go because those things aren't happening in my life anymore. And the more I think back or hold on or grip to that story, the more I feel the physiological impact of it. And the more I acknowledge those things happened, but they're in the past and you can feel those feelings and then move forward, uh, the more progress that I make. So you said medical uh, injuries. What, what medical situations are you talking about? If you're allowed to share, can you share those? Sure. Yeah. So um, in 2018, I had surgery on my small intestines. I had what's called an intussusception where the small intestine basically telescopes into itself and causes a mass or a blockage. Um, It turns out that it can go in and out of itself like naturally. So I waited a couple of months after finding out the diagnosis because I was busy surfing and leading a teacher training curriculum and I had travel plans that it would have interfered with. And when I did have the surgery, uh, they didn't find the intussusception. So I came out with three tiny scars, but no worse for wear. I had a traumatic brain injury in 2015. Mm-hmm. How the, how'd you get that? I was surfing world championship contest in Makaha. Speaking of sharks, uh, just to add, Makaha is a breeding ground for tiger sharks. <laughs> wow. I'm five feet tall. I weigh about 90 pounds. Um, I'm a very petite person. And a few weeks before that contest, there was a shark um, attack, basically. And a, a young person, a 13-year-old boy, was bit. And my friends at the time uh, gave me a lot of confidence saying, you look nothing like a 13-year-old boy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which was a double slap in the face, uh, but we laugh about it now. And so at this contest, you know, we ranked fifth in the world. And after the, we didn't make it to the finals, you know, the top four teams make it to the finals, but we did get through the semifinals. And after that, we went for a surf just for fun. And I wound up falling from about 10 feet up and then on impact got hit in the back of the head um, with an elbow. And I thought I was okay. Uh, My teammate wasn't so sure. He said, get up the beach, get up the beach, you know, run up away from the water because he said he could tell my bell was rung. And I just stared at him blankly like it did not compute. Oh, wow. 
he helped me up the beach. And then I called Josh, who was my boyfriend at the time. And he said, it sounds like you're concussed. You're not making sense. And you're not forming sentences. Um, I said, well, I feel really tired. So I'm going to take a nap. And he said, do not take a nap. Right. So my teammate took a nap and I got some coffee and I stayed up. Well, um, I wound up surfing a little bit more just for fun. You're in Hawaii and and I paid to be there and I took the time off. I wasn't going to let the opportunity pass me by. But a few days later, I get on an airplane and I thought I was a goner. I thought I was going to die on that airplane. My head felt like it was exploding. You had not and seen a doctor yet at that point? That's correct. I had not <laughs> seen a doctor When I got home, I did see a doctor who diagnosed me with a moderate concussion, and I had to stop training, stop surfing. I couldn't teach yoga for a number of weeks, and that was uh, also a pivotal point in my life because I started writing the yoga teacher training curriculum that I lead several times a year now and um, have gone through several iterations, but it's a 200-hour Yoga Alliance accredited program. That's incredible. And, you know, recovery from a concussion, if those that are listening have never had one or had one to the severity of what Alia is mentioning, is it can be underscored by people thinking, well, well, it's just a bump in the head. But really what happens is it can mess with everything. It can mess with speech patterns, with short and long-term memory, with, um, I'm, I'm trying to come up with the words. Uh, I've had a traumatic brain injury in my past too word with the concussion. Is, right. Word, word retrieval. retrieval is one of them. Response time is one of those. So like if you're driving and you might not be able to react soon enough. And so um, sometimes it can be underscored if you don't have the right professional. But what was your recovery from that traumatic brain injury like? Well, you're absolutely right. And I still struggle with some of those. My recovery was very difficult. It was a rainy winter. I had to stay pretty much inside. Uh, I was doing a lot of writing on my computer because I'm not someone who can just sit still and watch Netflix all day. So um, every 30 minutes to an hour, I'd have to stop and take a break. And with my eyes, I would need to focus long distance um, for my my vision, basically. So I'd have to kind of go outside and look off into the distance. I had to wear um, different glasses. I wound up getting a lot of headaches. Even to this day, I get migraines um, usually once every two months, as much as once a month, pretty debilitating migraines. And I definitely have long and short-term memory loss, word retrieval problems, uh, a whole host of lingering issues, even though it's been um, five years. Wow. Well, you mentioned that after that recovery, it really did inspire you to do something different. And you built a yoga training course. How did those two connect? Like, how did you get from traumatic brain injury to yoga is the answer? I had been teaching yoga for a long time and leading teacher trainings for different 
yoga studios and I had learned a lot, but there was something that I felt was missing from the teacher trainings that I was leading where the studio provided the material. I felt like sometimes it was really focused on the yoga philosophy and I think that's really important, but that's not everything. And others were really focused on the practical aspect of being able to teach a class to a group of students. And that's important as well, but it was missing the combination of the two. And so I really wanted to use my time wisely and create something that was really balanced in that way, but also was accessible for people today because yoga, asana, the physical postures is just one limb of what's traditionally known as yoga in the East. Yoga in the East encompasses eight limbs and Mm -hmm. the physical postures is just one of that limb. And so I wanted to bridge the gap between ancient yogic philosophy and how it plays into our lives today and can actually create a transformational experience, not only in the lives of your students, but even more importantly, perhaps in our own lives, because I believe that you can be the change that you want to see in the world, but it doesn't start out here. It starts inside. You know, my dad does yoga, um, but he's old. It's like 74. Well, my dad like right, but it, it, he says that it really helps him with stress reduction and with flexibility because, you know, as he's been aging, he sees some of his friends that um, you know might not be able to move as as flexibly, and so is that something that you see an older population working with you for like mental sharpness, stress reduction, yes. balance, also. Yeah, that's huge, and I think that's the goal. No, to practice yoga well into your seventies, eighties, and beyond to be able to do that type of activity as you age is for me. It's definitely the goal, and my mom who's so inspiring. She actually went through my yoga teacher training years ago, and she teaches now. She does so many of my yoga classes. She's my biggest fan. And she can do a headstand. What? That's amazing. She's in her 60s, and she just it's super cool. I should try that. Hey, Christine, we think they should try a headstand. (laughs) I could try to do that. No, so getting Chris to slow down to do anything is quite a journey in itself. But you know, I, I will tell you very honestly, I love yoga. I struggle with it. And the reason that I struggle with it, I think, is a confidence issue. Like, I am a perfectionist. So am I going to make the wrong pose? Am I going to fall over when I'm trying to do something? So how do you work with people that are just getting started that might not be super confident in how to navigate yoga? Great question. My answer is twofold. First being, there are so many different styles of yoga. For example, for Chris, where it's hard to slow down, then I would suggest a dynamic style power vinyasa flow where you don't slow down for a second. Ooh. It's, like, it's like running then, right? Kind of like a, like a dance almost. It's <laughs> you know? very dynamic. You'll have cardiovascular. You'll also be strengthening your muscles at the same time, increasing flexibility. If you add heat in that environment, I mean, the if you care about the amount of calories you burn, that goes through the roof. It's very detoxifying. So again, there's a lot of different styles of yoga, asana, physical practice. 
But with regards to being a perfectionist, and I can totally relate, I consider myself a recovered perfectionist. (laughs) And you learn as you go, and it definitely takes time, that it's less about how the posture looks and more about how the posture feels. And now I translate that also off the yoga mat. It's less about how we look physically and beauty, you know, is in the eye of the beholder, but it also fades with time and gravity. And what's inside of you counts so much more to make you beautiful than what your features are or um, our societal norm for standard of beauty. And so over time, you get to know yourself on such a deeper level and take such good care of yourself both on and off the mat, where that perfectionistic tendency naturally starts to subside because you feel so good doing the practice no matter if you're doing it correct you know by someone else's standard or not that totally makes sense now with this current context that we're in everybody coming out of sheltering in place and being in this stage of post or mid isolation how has that impacted you as a yoga instructor and your students it's been this very challenging but beautiful beautiful opportunity. For me, it was really important when all of this happened to stay connected to the community, stay accountable myself with my practice, and also do what I can to make a positive impact and to continue to be of service. So I started teaching online. I have a group on Facebook called Sunshine Yoga with Alia, and I stream live through there and also on Zoom. And I was doing that at least once or twice a week, also guided meditations. I did it by donation so that no one was turned away. Um, Of course, I went from making money to not making money. So anything that was donated was very much appreciated. And at the same time, I started investing in my business and um, had someone update my website. I led a teacher training. I'm in the middle of leading it still. Uh, And it's online right now because of the stay at home orders. Uh, We couldn't meet in person. So we're doing that through Zoom. And I also started a podcast uh, and (laughs) focused my energy on that as well. Well, what is the name of your podcast, Alia? It's called What's Wellness with Alia Yoga. And it's a labor of love. I've continued to do weekly episodes, even though now I'm back to teaching eight yoga classes and two spin classes a week. So it's a lot of talking. Wow. It's a lot going on. Yeah. And so you talked about uh, it being a wellness focus. What are the types of topics that you share with your listeners? It's pretty broad. So wellness is, uh, it can be a vague term. And I like to cover a lot of different topics from the personal and individual to the universal principles of wellness, meaning what works for me may or may not work for you, but there could be a tool or a lesson or an opportunity to learn and grow by sharing. But also the universal principles of like proper nutrition, proper hydration, getting plenty of rest, exercise, mindfulness, even how you breathe. So um, we cover a lot of topics like that. Also, the wellness of your relationships from the relationship with yourself to others and to the planet. I care a lot about ocean conservation and decreasing my use of plastics and things like that. 
And last of all, we talk about yoga philosophy in the regards of physical, mental, emotional, energetic, and spiritual wellness. I love all of that you just said. It sounds great because I also am very health conscious. I'm kind of a health nut a little bit. Hey, what do you laugh at over there? <laughs> he I, says that, but okay, we'll go with that. Okay, so I ate ice cream last night. What do you want from me, all right? So then, um, but no, I, I also, I, was, I always recycle, I'm always big on recycling. And I'm, and I'm Thank big, you. Uh, you know, like, like, yeah, same thing, like you're saying. And I'm also, far as the uh, mental health stuff, we're working on that. But uh, as Christine <laughs> says. Yeah, but I think that you, you do, you very are, very much are health conscious in terms of like, when we're talking about what do we want to have for dinner, you're like, I think that we should be like, for the next couple of nights, let's do salads. And I think that our bodies need that. And then, you know, always making sure that we're consuming enough water in the household. Chris is really like, he is the the water person. It's like everybody needs to be drinking their water and needs to be hydrated. And so I think that wellness, like physical wellness is sometimes overlooked because people get so busy. So I'm so happy to hear you. And also Christine, on that, on that level with the food, I think also, I remember hearing this somewhere that your plate should have a variety of color on it, like greens and, and vegetables and not just all fried chicken and french fries <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah every color on your plate is ideal having you know red if it's strawberries or beets and blue if it's blueberries and and every color you can imagine yellow bell peppers and that is the ideal situation however let me say this everything in moderation including moderation being mindful of your health and well-being doesn't mean you never get to enjoy a treat. In fact, you enjoy that treat even more because you've eaten well throughout the day. I'm like an 80-20 rule. I'm going <laughs> to okay, eat okay. well 80% and then I'm going to really enjoy and not just chow it down because I'm so excited to eat that brownie. I'm going to savor it and really enjoy it and it it makes a difference. That totally makes sense. And that's such sage advice from you and especially with your wellness focus. And so Alia, where can our listeners find out more about you, your services, your podcast? Give us your pitch. Sure thing. So my website is aliayoga.com spelled A-H-L-I-A. That goes through to my YouTube, which is Alia Yoga. I have 60-minute, 30-minute, 45-minute classes, guided meditations, different styles of classes. We talked about power vinyasa. I also have gentle yoga classes. So all levels, variations. Um, website and YouTube, Alia Yoga. That's my Instagram as well, Alia Yoga. And then my podcast is called What's Wellness with Alia Yoga. And that's on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes podcasts, of course. It's on a couple other platforms. And I do have an Instagram for it at What's Wellness Podcast. I love that so much. And so for all of our listeners out there, as you have been um, starting to emerge slightly from the stay-at-home orders or you're thinking about starting to make some of those moves that maybe aren't so driven by quarantine decisions, we'd encourage you to check out Alia's webpage and check out her podcast to get some great tips 
on how to move forward into a new stage of 2020 with wellness being at the center. And so with that, Alia, we want to thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Alia. I'm Brucker. I'm Levi. And together we co-host a movie podcast called Film on the Rocks. On our movie podcast, we like to have fun with movies and we don't like to break down movies beat by beat, scene by scene. We like to talk about what was fun about them. So we talk about our favorite scenes, uh, sprinkle in some trivia, uh, we debate whether or not they deserve a sequel, and we also talk about um, some drinking rules that they can have, such as drink every time Vince Vaughn stuffs his face in Wedding Crashers. Or something we call the Yoda Clause, which is every time Frank Oz jumps on a screen, finish your drink. You can find us on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or really anywhere you can find podcasts, if this sounds interesting to you. Yes, and we also love listener interaction, and we also like to take movie requests, so you could reach out to us on Twitter at Film on the Rocks, Instagram, Film on the Rocks Podcast, or email us at fotrpodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from y'all. Give us a listen. Hey, this is DB from Without Boundaries coming in live to you. I just want to say give us a listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. And also follow us on Twitter with at podcast underscore without. All right. See you guys later. Well, that was great having Ollie on the show. Right. She was super fascinating. But uh, one thing that has stuck with me. Oh, yeah. Is scuba diving. Oh, I know. Like, uh, what? Have you ever wanted to go scuba diving? No. Okay. I, I mentioned it. We went snorkeling. It's kind of the same thing. No, no. Snorkeling that you're like at the top. Like you barely go down and you dip back up. I was going down. Right. I was going down. You were going down a little bit. And I went down until like my ears started to pop. And then I yeah, came back up. It's a weird but, feeling, huh? Oh, it's like. It is like the epitome of claustrophobia, being surrounded with water and being underwater and not being able to like get back up. I have to be close to the surface. You know what's crazy you say that? Uh, imagine going cave diving. Like Oh, no sc- way. Scuba diving, but in a cave. No. Uh-uh. That would, and then, and then when you swirl around, the dust just kicks up, and you can't see nothing. Okay, I'm seriously, legitimately about to have an anxiety attack. And you're like about freaking right out, no. and, you're, and your breathing is erratic, and you're freaking your air bubbles in your system, and you and then you start choking. Oh my on gosh, your own you're blood. trying to do this to me on purpose. No, but they have these ropes. I guess they have in the caves. They have to have ropes and all kinds of stuff, you know, because otherwise you're never gonna get out, you know, and um. I'm legitimately about to have an anxiety attack even just because thinking you lose about your, it. You lose your, <laughs> you lose your dimensions very easily. Oh, gosh. I, I've never gone scuba diving, so I can't really speak on this that much. But um, I always wanted to go as a kid. You know, I've always thought it would be super cool. I see underwater fish and coral and all that cool stuff. You know, like, that's super cool. I always wanted to check that place stuff out, like Finding Nemo type stuff, you know? So going snorkeling out in open water for our first time together, like Zeke and I did it before – um, just like off of the shore. And then I've done it before in the middle of a reef. Like they drop you in the middle of a reef. You kind of snorkel over the top and then you go to this open area so you're protected. And I've swam with sharks before for like 10 seconds. But this concept of like, first of all, the Pacific Ocean where we live is very murky water. It's not like the Caribbean where it's like crystal clear. Right, right. So snorkeling or sorry, scuba diving there to me, feels like let's wrap you up in a blanket and drop you in the water. And by the way, you have like 5 million pounds of stuff on your back and you're going to sink to the bottom. 
Oh, uh, you do? I don't know. That's what I feel like scuba diving is. So somebody, you know, fight me on that. I was wondering how those weights work. Do you just drop them off and leave them at the bottom of the ocean? Or to bring them, you can't bring them with Wait, you. Wait, you, you have weights on you on top of it? Don't, isn't that what's to put you to the bottom? Those, the diving weights that pull you to the bottom, right? I thought it was just the fact that you have all this really heavy gear on you. Maybe both. I don't know. Uh, and then you're like, oh, maybe maybe you put weights on as you get down there. I really have no idea. I don't think that you leave them down there. I think you have to like, that's why you have fins to help you get back up to the surface. And let's just say I am a very, very strong swimmer. But swimming and scuba diving are two completely different things. So shout out to Alia and her husband for being these super amazing scuba divers. You're doing something that I could never do. And I say that knowing that it's because I like have paralyzing fear. Yeah, me too. And don't forget the sharks too. Cause sharks, are, uh, <laughs> sharks are in the ocean. The sharks know? are in the ocean. Yeah. Now I did go swimming with sharks one time. Really? Yeah. I was in the Caribbean in the Bahamas actually. And we went out with, um, I think it was called Stewart's Cove was the name of the company in Nassau in the Bahamas. And um, they took us out to a reef and we snorkeled there and then they took us to a shark reef where there were l- not leopard sharks, but reef sharks, I think they were called. And they all, um, they all have teeth, though. Okay, but here's what they did they took this cage of bait, like bloody gutsy. Oh, to get the, draw the sharks in. They dropped it all the way down yes. to the bottom, 40 feet down, to get the, the sharks to swarm around it. And they said to us, they put us out on a rope and they said, um, they put themselves in between. So there was like one of their staff at the end, one in the middle and one right by the boat. And then there was three in the boat to help us get out. And they said, when you get in the water, this is the kind of movement you have to make. You can't be splashing and kicking a lot because it'll give the illusion of a struggling fish, which will make the sharks come up, use your hands, make very small movements in little cups. Wow. And so like there's a, like 40 people on this boat and a bunch of them get out. And then I was like working up the nerve because, you know, paranoia of open water. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I had two friends on the trip with me. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then I finally get the courage and I get out in the boat, get out of the boat. And I'm the last one to enter the water way after everybody else. And then they make the motion that the sharks are starting to come up. (gasps) And so I was like bolting out of there. I took like two pictures because I had a waterproof camera and I got out as fast as I could because like the sharks were coming up and they got everybody in as the sharks were swarming around the group and they pulled the bait box in and there was like 10 sharks fighting for the bait box at the end of the boat. And I think that the smallest was four feet and the largest was about seven feet long. Wow. What kind of of sharks were they? I think they said reef sharks. So I don't know if they would actually... Bite us, I think the reef sharks, I think those are the ones that are at SeaWorld and the shark exhibit. The big ones they have that you go into that big tunnel when the sharks swim above you. You walk, does it have do they have like a long, skinny nose? No, that's like a dolphin you're thinking of. No, no, like, um, <laughs> no. no like, like the sharks. I think the ones they have at the at SeaWorld at the shark exhibit, I believe those are reef sharks, okay, because they're long. They're the normal shark size, they look, right. they look like a normal shark, but they're not like they're about six feet long, but it's not like a great white. Right, but they had that same design, I guess. You know. Right. Well, they looked like sharks, and they were freaking scary. And so that's my claim to fame: is for thirty seconds of my life, I swam with sharks, and that was enough to cure me of ever thinking of going scuba diving. You know, I went swimming with sharks too once. When I, I, um, leopard sharks. 
uh, what are the ones that are like in the sand, like right in the like right by the ankle slapper? Uh, you know, <laughs> sand sharks. Sand sharks. Yes, I went swing with <laughs> the those. Sa- th- the kind of sharks that are in the sand, you know, aka sand shark. I guess that's what they're called. They have mating season here in La Jolla. And- oh, those are leopard sharks. What, yeah, maybe what are the, yeah, don't they have those at SeaWorld as you walk in? They have that little exhibit, you put your hand, you pet them and stuff. See, there you go. You pet the sharks at SeaWorld <laughs> right there at the petting exhibit right in the front. But I got to swim with those in the, in La Jolla in the uh, water over here. And, um, it was kind of scary because I was very, very scared of sharks, you know, who isn't? And, um, so, I was scared of sharks, and I was swimming with them, and I was like, I can't do this no more. I mean, well, they're not going to bother you. Just don't, don't, they're not going to bother you. But I did see a documentary. I think it was Shark Week. <laughs> and they had a guy showed a video. He was filming underwater. So it showed him filming the sharks underwater. And, and his video, the shark took a chunk out of his leg Whoa. on video. And I'm like, nope, nah, nope, not, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to the wall. And he was just walking around. And he wasn't even like trying to like, you know, bother the sharks. He was right. walking. And he took a chunk out of his leg. Well, that's kind of like your little interaction with the stingray, which was just over a year ago. Oh, yeah. I got stung in the ankle with a stingray. And I was like, and the funny thing is, is that I was looking back at the footage. I have it on my Google video, or Google photos. And I look at the footage and I, actually I was filming myself with a GoPro. And at the exact moment I get stung, I caught that on camera. And yep. my face goes from like, oh, 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 gosh, oh. It was. It was, and uh, then it was an ordeal for yes. days. Not not hours. I got days find, afterwards. I got to find that clip and I got to isolate it and <laughs> yeah, put it on. Put it on our. Um, put it on our social media and, and say, "Welcome to Shark Week, everybody." <laughs> <laughs> well, that was enough to cure us of scuba diving. And so, uh, thank you, Alia, for sharing your fun story. And we hope that you continue to share your love and light with everybody. And we thank you all for listening in again this week. We hope that you've learned something new about yourself or about us, including Chris's notorious stingray story. (laughs) That's right. Thank you for listening. And hope you guys have a fantastic week. And don't forget to fill out the survey so you can enter to win an Amazon gift card on us, free of charge, on the house. We'll email to you. So thank you. And we'll see you next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward. <laughs>